0: And discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about what does it mean for a Christian to be self-controlled. Let's dive in. In Galatians chapter five, Paul tells us that one of the fruits of the spirit is that we are to be self-controlled. Now it's interesting when you look at that idea. So oftentimes. You know, we kind of, kind of grit our teeth and say, "All right, I'm going to control myself," but we forget the fact that it's actually a fruit of the spirit. That this idea of self-control is not that we are trying to merely control ourselves; it's more the idea that the spirit of God is really controlling ourselves. Well, it seems like this idea or this concept of self-control is a bit confusing in our culture, especially in modern Christianity. Well, over the last week or so, I've been freshly pondering this idea of self-control. And it came out of a Daily Thunder episode that my good friend Eric Luty taught. Now, last week, as he was walking through this idea of self-control, it was just a rich meditation. And I was personally pondering it and going, wow, this is, this is such great information and truth. And I just thought it would be a great exhortation for us to listen to that episode. Now, this is being taken from a series that Eric has been walking through called The Muscular Christian. But it's on this idea of what does it mean to live a life that is self-controlled. And you'll find that it really, yeah, you're involved, but it's more the idea of what does it look like as a Christian for the Spirit of God to come in and control your life. Well, without further ado, I want to play for you this message by my friend Eric Ludi called The Boxing Ring.
1: So the word in the Greek is egreteia and typically translated self-control. And so self-control is an odd thing to know how to teach, because people almost automatically, because of the word in the English, come to the wrong conclusion about what self-control is. Especially when a mom tells uh, her children, kids, you need to have self-control. As if a child can just whip this stuff up. And you see, it's a part truth, because every one of us is given, I've always said it this way, a dollop of self-control, a measure of being able to restrain ourselves, and yet it is just a dollop, and there are certain things that we will find that we are unable to resist, and temptation will come, and though we have this dollop of self-control, it is insufficient to truly control our lives, and as a result, sin rules us, and that is, of course, one of the great lessons each of us must learn. It's called the bad news, is that we are sinners, and we are in need of a savior. The fact that we're in need of a savior isn't the bad news, it's just what leads us to the good news, which is Jesus is our savior. However, there is some bad news, and that is though you have an ability to restrain yourself, you have an ability to discipline yourself, you have an ability to hold yourself in check to a degree. The tests of this life are going to come in higher than that, and as a result, unless you find something else, you will fail, you will fall in this life, And all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And so they've all sinned. All of us, every single one of us, is too short in that measure. Which means we need a control that is outside of us. That is greater than what we are able to exert. I, I think you guys have heard this at least somewhere along in the past. But my nickname used to be uh, PTM. It's a very uh, powerful nickname to be lugging around. PTM, Perfectly Timed Man. And, uh, boy, that, did you guys notice that I was up here again for Daily Thunder just sort of waiting? You know, I was, hey, I want you to take note of that. PTM is at work. Uh, however, one of the things, because I'm a very disciplined man naturally. I like discipline. I like order. I like doing things the same way every day, and I like doing them well. But one of the things that I had to learn is that true discipline, human discipline, is not able to overcome human weakness that our propensity towards sin is greater than our desire to overcome it i'm going to say that again our propensity towards sin is greater than our desire to overcome it so you can mean well and you can crave to overcome it but your propensity towards it is still greater that's Romans 7 in a nutshell. In other words, Paul is like, hey, I will to do this, but there is nothing in my own pockets that is able to produce this power to overcome sin. Who can save me from this body of death? And then he concludes with that uh, very wise statement, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, there is a solution. When you see the word self-control, you have a tendency to immediately come to the conclusion that self Needs to control itself. And that's what self control is. When in actuality, that's not what this Greek word is. But it's, there's something about it. When you actually learn what self control is, the definition or the, the term self control actually is a good one. That's what's weird. Okay, It's just that our English understanding twists it. So the other translation you'll get, if you have varying uh, translations that you use to understand this, this Greek word, egreteia, is temperance temperance is not a word that we typically use but you've probably heard the word temperate Temperate would be like a temperate climate like San Diego San Diego would be the classic temperate climate why it means it's basically always around the same temperature it doesn't get too hot it doesn't get too cold it's temperate well there's an interesting definition for Egrettea right there it doesn't get too hot towards uh towards the world it doesn't grow too or it doesn't grow too cold towards god in other words it stays in that 70 degree territory of warmth of right temperature towards the things of heaven and so that's another interesting definition because that is part of what egretia is so i'm going to go through and of course you notice that my title is the boxing ring so therefore i'm going to get to that uh, one way uh, or the other but let's uh, dig in the Egretian growl. So that fits most of what we've talked about. Have you notice that most of these things that I've mentioned in the Muscular Christian series all have to do with a exertion. They have to do with a grit and a growl. And you can't just be passive in your Christian life. You must exert what you know. You cannot just be a hearer, but you must be a doer. And so that doing is very, very important. And of course, like in all truths that I seem to be bringing up in this Muscular Christian series, there is a growl. So the Egretan growl. You have a body and you're meant to keep it. You're meant to see it protected. And unless you have this Egretan growl, which I know self-control doesn't sound like a growl, does it? It just sounds like something a little kid's supposed to have. Isn't it funny? We talked about patience last, hupomone. And it's, it's just like, it sounds like something a little kid is supposed to have, when in actuality, it's what the martyrs of old had. It's what Jesus had, what led him to the cross. Patience? Yeah. It's powerful, powerful stuff. It's manly stuff. Same with this. The Egretian growl. This is like what a soldier needs. So, a good illustration of a soldier. We're at the Gettysburg. This is the pivotal command that won the day at Gettysburg. So uh, the study, you know, the Civil War, the study of Gettysburg is an interesting thing. It's not what I'm going to go into. But I'll just give you the quote. Buford, hold the high ground. See, isn't that good? Uh, that sounds a little sort of Gettysburgish, doesn't it? Buford, hold the high ground. So there's this high ground in Gettysburg. And if Buford can hold that high ground, the Union is going to hold the day. You see, the high ground in your soul, the high ground is always significant in battle because it's harder, it's easier to defend high ground than it is low ground. And you also can see what is taking place. So the high ground is of the utmost importance in the strategy. Well, guess what? Your soul is the high ground. And so this is my statement to you, Buford, hold the high ground. And that's Egrotea. In other words, if you're going to have self-control in your life, you're holding the high ground. In a sense, God has already defeated your enemy, and then he says, take it. Take that high ground. And it's not you overcoming the strong man. He has bound the strong man. And he has given you the house. Now take it. Take it and keep it. Okay, so this is part of what Egrotea is, self-control. When the Egrettean growl goes missing, when you do not fight for this body, when you do not fight for your thoughts, when you do not fight to control your tongue, when you do not fight to control your sexuality, when you do not fight to control your appetite, instead you let them do whatever they want. Well, what happens when you lose that restraint, when you lose that control, when you lose the high ground? What happens? Proverbs 25, 28, he that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So if you become like a city that is broken down without walls, what does that say about you? What is the enemy's position in that situation? The enemy has total rule over your life because you can't keep him out. If he desires to come in and plant himself right in the center of your life, well, guess what? You can't keep him out. You have given up your defense system. You see, egretia is a defense system. And if you lower that or you remove that, you become vulnerable. How do we rule inside our own lives? Is it even possible? Most Christians today actually question whether or not you can actually control this body. They do, because they've tried They've tried really hard. Eric Lutie tried really hard for a whole season of my life to control this and live according to scripture. I could not do it. It was so frustrating to know how I ought to live and not be able to do it. First of all, that's sin. He who knows what he ought to do and does not do it sins. And so all I could produce was sin. Now, I'm gonna give you two distinctions here. Remember, we talked about first and second. You have a life over here, which is the old life. It's a life before it's born again. It is a life that can mean well. It can actually esteem truth, but it has never given up its control. And you have a life over here that gives up its control to Jesus Christ and is now controlled by Jesus Christ. And if you try and work out self-control over here when you're still ruled by sin, you're going to prove one thing. You can't do it. No matter how hard you grit your teeth, no matter how disciplined you are, no matter how early you get up in the morning, no matter how much Bible you read and memorize and study, it does not change the fact that you in and of your own substance, own strength, cannot produce righteousness. And so you must repent of attempting to do it in your strength and enter into Christ by faith. And then his strength, which we've defined many times over as grace, works inside of you via the Holy Spirit and exercises within you to produce something that you over here could not produce. In your first condition, you cannot do it. But in your second life, as a new creature in Christ Jesus, you can. Okay, so what I'm indirectly doing is I'm showing you that if you attempt to control yourself, you will fail. But if you allow God to control you, you're actually in the position now to produce this fruit called egretea, which is, by the way, a fruit of the spirit. It is a natural outflow of what happens when God takes over your body. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Oh boy, we've proven that, haven't we? In other words, how many times have you said, I'm no longer going to say things like that? I'm going to always speak words of life to people. Because you know that one family member that really gets under your skin? I'm sure you don't have one of those. But there's usually one that lingers uh, in your home that just rubs you the wrong way. You are such a loving person. You are so kind until you get around them. And my dad always put it this way. He pushes your buttons. You ever heard that statement? He pushes your buttons. It's like you have a big red button there. And the rest of the family knows to avoid that button, but this other character in the home goes straight up and goes, dink, and pushes it, and and you become a monster, okay? And so we've proven this many times, but no man can tame the tongue. You've tried to tame that crazy tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. James is right. You see, if you try and rule your tongue in your first state, and you say, I am going to discipline my tongue. I am going to be controlled. It will only prove one thing, and that is that your tongue is set on fire by the fires of hell, and that fire burns hotter than your desire to tame it. You must repent of attempting to tame your tongue in your own strength. And you must enter Christ Jesus, who gives you grace, who gives you power, to now bring that tongue into subjection. You do remember what happened at Pentecost, don't you? What happened? God grabbed tongues. He said, these are now mine. The first symbol of occupied territory is a controlled tongue. It's a tongue that's set on fire by the fire of heaven. You see, you have a first tongue, and you have a second tongue. The first tongue is ruled by sin, and it will ultimately reveal that to you. The second tongue... Is ruled by the Holy Spirit and now something can happen with this tongue that could never happen if you were living in your own power and your own strength a church without self-control so what has happened today is when you begin to build church without an understanding of living in Christ what you oftentimes have is a church that esteems the Word of God but still lives in its first state It lives out of its own pocket strength instead of out of grace, instead of out of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it is attempting to derive its ability from what it itself can muster. So as a result, it doesn't have biblical self-control. What it has is its own attempt. There was a gathering of pastors that all got together. Uh, This is, oh, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago now. Evangelical pastors, they met in Colorado Springs because of the serious problem with these pastors falling into sexual sin. And so, since they didn't have a good solution for what to do, they said, we just don't want you falling into adultery. So if you need to look at pornography in private, that's what you do. I was not invited to this meeting. That is one of the most horrifying statements I have ever heard in my life. In other words, just try and curb your problem and try not to make it public. Okay, do you guys see a problem with this? Yes, that is the exact opposite of what the kingdom of heaven has done. That's attempting to solve your problem in your own strength. As opposed to saying, God, I have a problem I cannot solve. I give myself to you. May the gospel of Jesus Christ transform me. It is the power of God unto salvation. There is no other means of being saved except in this second condition. You have a problem, that's the solution for every single situation. And so what happens when we have a church without this self-control, without this egrotea, without this fruit of God? What happens? It's a church that is vulnerable to faction, division, and contention, unlike any other time. Wow, it is a bad situation. And as a result, it's set off by small things. It becomes micromanaging in how it does things. It examines everything and says, Oh, I can't have anything to do with you. It is a very, very dangerous state for the church to be in. How about a Christian without self control? Well, a Christian without self control is the devil's tool of choice for invading and destroying the church. I mean, there's no better puppet that the devil can choose in a Christian that lacks self-control. He just wants to stick them like a hand grenade with the pin pulled in the middle of the church because that person's gonna go off. That person's going to start yammering. That person's gonna start barking. That person's gonna start dividing and creating faction. Every single one of us can be like a hand grenade thrown into the midst of the church if we are not governed in this second position in Christ Jesus. You see, we are God's tool to bring life and love, not to bring division. A husband without self-control is often perverted, angry, domineering, and violent. I would encourage all of you ladies to not marry one of those. A wife without self-control is often lacking discretion, gossiping, slandering, manipulative, and nagging. Men, you also do not want to marry one of those. It's, what is the proverb? It's better to be on the corner of a roof uh, than to be married to a woman without self-control. Or I just added a little to it there, but uh, same concept. A father without self-control is often harsh, overreactive, enraged, and abusive. A mother without self-control is often unstable, meddling, overprotective, and indiscreet with her children's secrets. A man without self-control is often a sexually polluted, rage-filled mess. A woman without self-control is often a loose-tongued, meddling, manipulative mess. Boy, we have a mess on our hands, don't we, guys? You see, that's what the world is. It lacks something. It lacks the ability to tame this body. It lacks the ability to tame this thought life, to tame this tongue, to tame these eyes, to tame these hands and these feet. You see, if this body is not tamed, whoo, we have a wreck on our hands. I mean, I could envision all sorts of terrible things that could come out of that. Yeah, just look around the world. That's exactly what you get. You get wars. You get disease. You get all sorts of things that begin to spread through lands because men and women lack the ability to tame their lusts and their lives and their their longings. You see, this is where the problem breaks down, which is why God has come to give us good news. Self control, first, what it is not. So, this is what a lot of us think self control is. If I were to say, hey guys, you need to have self control, we immediately default to what we see here in Colossians do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. No, no, don't, don't Don't do that. No, no, stay away from that. No, no, no. And if you just stay away from these things, if you don't do this, do this, or do this, then, ah, th- there we go. That, that's more like it. It says, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion. Self-imposed religion. That's over here, guys. This is the first state, your first life as the old creature attempting to impose upon itself a wisdom it's like oh okay and if i don't do this i don't do this then i'll be like christ it has an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion false humility and neglect of the body but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh no matter how hard you try over here to not touch not handle not taste it does not curb your true problem and that is that you are ruled by sin your flesh is greater. Remember that six foot eight tall and six foot eight wide behemoth, you know, with the, the jiggling belly uh, that pops white powdered uh, donuts uh, all day long? Remember that guy? He's the flesh. He's the, that old man creature that lives inside of you. No matter how hard you want to rule this body, there is one that is more powerful than you that is currently ruling it. And until he is dealt with, until the old man is crucified, you lose this battle. So as a result, we must recognize that salvation is found not in our own imposition of religion upon ourselves. It's not our own attempts to discipline. It is in our repenting and believing in Jesus Christ of saying, I can't do it, but I know he can. I am unable to bring this body into subjection, but I know that he can. So God, here's my body. You rule it self-control. Now, what it is. Aren't you guys excited? Boy, we've built a great case here. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and egriteia. Isn't that interesting that egriteia is a result? It's not something you whipped up through just your gritting of teeth. It is something that is a result of of abiding in Christ. If you move into Christ, if you find your life in Christ, then this finds itself in you. It is going to be born out of your life of dependence upon him. Of course, you need to agree with that, and you need to facilitate that, but this is something he does, and he brings about. He brings about what is typically translated as self-control, or temperance. It's egreteia. So here's where the boxing ring comes in. Okay, so let's imagine that this stage is a boxing ring. You know, the old-fashioned the old fighters always, you know, they did this. I don't know how in the world they thought that that was effective. Obviously, somewhere along the line, they figured that that wasn't the best way to do it. And yet, we have a boxing ring. It's your soul, it's your body. Each of us has one, but we have this humongous opponent in there. He's about six foot, eight feet tall, He's about six foot, eight feet wide, and he is the undisputed heavyweight champion of your body. And he has ruled you since you can remember. And so if ever you've come out of your corner at the bell, ding, and you come out, I mean, you just stop coming out after a while, because every time he just comes and knocks you back into your corner, puts you into your place because you may want to win this round, you may want to win this ring, you may want to be the heavyweight champion and wear the belt, but you can't. And so at a certain point in our lives, we begin to just accept the fact that I'm not winning this thing. No matter how hard I train, I do all my push-ups in the corner, I do my sit-ups, you know, I do all my things, I, I growl, and I, I look across the ring and I say, hey, you dead meat. And you can say all your stuff, but then you're dead meat every time. That's from an old Rocky movie, by the way. Uh, So I'm exposing my my age in bringing that statement up. However, we can't rule the ring. There is no way that we can do it. So then Jesus comes into the picture. And if we allow Jesus into our ring, everything changes. You know what it looks like? Jesus comes into the ring... And what we immediately notice is that the six foot eight wide, six foot eight tall, heavyweight champion of the world over there, known as the Flash, winces and turns white. He doesn't want us to see it, but you can tell he's uncomfortable. And so now, how do you fight with Jesus? I'm gonna give you the mental picture here. Okay, some of us get Jesus in the ring and then we go running across the ring and attempt to fight the Flash in our own strength still. what? What are we doing? We have Jesus in the ring now. Why are we trying in our own strength to defeat the flesh? Here's the secret. You get behind Jesus, and as he moves towards the flesh, you grab his arm, okay? And as he pulls back, you're like hanging on. And then you swing when he swings. And as he swings at the flesh, you know what happens to the flesh? I mean, it's laugh out loud. Great. The flesh just goes, Flying into the bleachers, way out there. I mean, a a mile out there. Okay, in other words, you knock him completely out of the ring. He can't even stay in the ring. And it's Christ's strength that does it. However, you swing with his meaty fist. That's what you're doing. You're swinging his strength, not your own. You're like, hey, take a load of this. And you take his muscular arm and you knock that flesh out. Okay, so that's, that's part of what I'm gonna describe Egritea as, the self-control. It's utilizing the strength of our Lord Jesus to defeat that great enemy. However, many of us have done this, okay? So many of us have tried all sorts of options here. We've tried getting Christ in the ring and trying to beat him up ourselves. that didn't work. And then some of us have learned how to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so, boom, we knock the enemy out. We're like, oh, this feels so good. But then we oftentimes will, grow with, will create a disconnect and get distracted from the understanding that this ring is battle territory. And the enemy, you know, though we knocked him a mile away, brushes himself off, and he's going to test our resolve. So he's going to come back. If you've ever seen a boxing ring, they have a rope around the outside. At least, maybe even a couple layers of rope. I haven't seen a boxing ring in a long time. And what the enemy will do is, we're usually, you know, doing our little victory dance. It's like, yeah. And he's going to attempt to sneak back in. So he's going to put his hand on that rope and stick his foot over. You know what happens when he touches that rope? There's a little alarm system that goes off that is built by the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, uh. You see, when the enemy makes a move into our life, there is a signal that is given to us. The question is, do you recognize a single signal and do you pay heed to it? Okay, it's like having a draft with an open window on a cold day. Your house is nice and toasty warm, but then someone leaves the window open and you feel it. That's exactly what this signal is, and that's why some people translate egriteia as temperance. Because when you begin to feel a different temperature in your soul, eh, eh, there's an alarm system that goes off. And so egretea isn't just used for kicking out the enemy. It's also used for keeping out the enemy. So it's not just that you clear the ring of all nasty stuff in your life, but then you keep it out. And that's what this word is. So, the two operations of self control kick out, look at this. Number two, keep out. And there is the enunciation of how this works. In other words, you are given the authority in Christ Jesus to actually knock these things out of your life, these old behaviors that have oftentimes been so difficult for you they have destroyed you in so many regards you now have the authority in christ jesus to say and in the name of jesus get out of here and they go flying but they will attempt to come back the devil is very smart and sly and he knows you very well and he knows your propensity to have a big moment of achievement and recognizing the truth of christ jesus only to subside into ignorance once again. And so as a result, he is going to test your faith. He is going to come back and see if it's consistent. And if it's not, he's coming back into that ring. Just like that seed that was planted in the soil. And what does the devil do? He tests it and he tries to choke it out. He tries to uh, bake it down with the sun. In other There's all sorts of tests that will come against this. But if that is good soil, it will receive it and grow and take deep root. And the same is true in our life. God has moved in. Are we going to allow him to establish himself and to root and ground himself in our life? Or are we going to only have a shallow relationship with him, which will ultimately be tested and proven uh, uh, false in the long run? But what's getting kicked out? First... Self gets the boot. So in other words, when we are here, you notice how that's capital S, self, okay, the problem with all of us and what sin is, is that self has capitalized itself. In other words, we have taken a position upon ourself of king and lord in our life. Who owns this life? We do. Who's in control of this life? We are. And so we desire this life to be about us, and that's the great problem. So the key for egretia is first, capital S, self, must get the boot. That principle of sin must be purged. You see, you, yourself, I mean, that's, that's who you are in this whole story. It's, it's you, but you're supposed to be lowercase s. You're supposed to be like this, and Jesus Christ gets his throne. He is king he is Lord. This body is no longer yours. It was bought with a price. It belongs to him. And so the first thing in this process of egretia in your life is that you must decrease. You must become lower to allow him to become higher. He becomes capital. You become lowercase. And when that happens, you are now in a position to see this ring ruled. Now, second, self- that should be lowercase, sorry about that, guys, is empowered to give the boot. So now lowercase s, which is, because it is submitted to Jesus Christ, has kicked out that capital S, that flesh, that old life. Now lowercase s is able to control the body. How? By the authority of Jesus Christ. So actually what I'm describing is how self-control works. Self-control starts with self, capital S, being controlled by Jesus Christ. Then, it leads to lowercase s, self, the one that is now controlled by Jesus Christ, telling the body what to do in the authority of Jesus Christ. You can tell your tongue what to do, and if your tongue talks back at you, you say, in the name of Jesus Christ, that's the authority with which I speak, you will obey. You can tell your appetites, your sexuality, your thought life, You can actually keep this body now in the authority of Jesus Christ because self is controlled. It has become lowercase and now is given authority by Jesus Christ to bring order to this body. 1 Corinthians 9. Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain... And every man that strives for mastery is egratumai in all things. There's our word. It's just a different form of the word. Egratumai. Remember, our word is egratea, self-control. So when a man strives for mastery, he is self-controlled. He is temperate in all things. In other words, every aspect of his life is now brought under control. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beats the air, but I keep my body under and bring it into subjection. You see, Paul is describing how this works. He is describing self-control and how he lives as an athlete, as he li- how he lives as a muscular Christian. And that is, it's not Paul who lives, but Christ who lives in Paul. Paul has given up his body, but he still lives. In this life that he now lives, he lives by the faith of the Son of God. So he now lives controlling his body and bringing his body under and bringing it into subjection. You know that you're supposed to bring your body into subjection? Your appetites are not supposed to rule you. But how could they not rule you? Don't you remember when you lived over here and attempted in your own pockets to control it? But you couldn't. So what's the difference, how can you control it now? What's happened is you've repented of attempting to do it in your own strength and you have believed in Jesus Christ. You have been brought under and controlled by Jesus. Now, he has given you the authority to bring your body under, self-control. That's what it is. You are now in a position to control your body as a fruit of the work of God in your life. So it's funny, for many of us, we're like, I've already tried that. However, what we have attempted to do is the equivalent of having Jesus enter our ring and then us run across the, the ring and try and punch the, the old man. And Jesus is like, it doesn't work that way, guy. In other words, what you need to do is humble yourself to recognize that unless you are behind him, unless you learn to live in the Lord and in the strength of his might, you cannot defeat this enemy. So he wants to coordinate you and teach you how to overcome and then how to keep this ring. You have been given the authority to do it, which is an amazing thought. If you were to just right now have that mental explosion of thought to recognize your appetites are actually supposed to be under you, which is under Christ. Your sexuality is supposed to be under you, which is under Christ. Your thought life is supposed to be under you, which is under Christ which means you can bring your body under and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when you have preached to others, you yourself should be a castaway. This is what you are supposed to be, is egritumai in all things. You have been given authority to bring your body under subjection. I don't know about you, but that's about as exciting as it gets. Don't you just want to practice it? Don't you want to exercise this? Could you imagine you have the authority to kick out the enemy and then to keep him out? You can maintain the ring, not in your own strength, in the strength of the Lord, in the power of his might. That is the great secret of the Christian. So the key points of control in the body, tongue control, eye control, thought control, appetite control so i want each of you to just ponder for a second and to allow the holy spirit to press down on any one of these that he wants to in your life and his statement is i want you to submit yourself to my control so who rules your life who's your king who's your lord the answer should be jesus christ Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the way it's going to be in the end no matter what, but we are the precursor of that. We do it now. We're the foreshadow of the coming kingdom. God starts right here. And he takes rulership and control. He sets his feet on the Mount of Olives of our soul and it divides asunder. He takes his seat. He rules. He rules this territory known as the Church of Jesus Christ. And then he teaches us how to rule nations. And how's he gonna do that? He starts by teaching us how to rule our own body. The first territory that he's gonna teach you how to exert the authority of Jesus Christ in is your body. Doesn't that make sense? It doesn't make a lot of sense for you to exert the authority of Christ in this world when your body is falling to pieces. God wants to teach you how to take rulership over these four territories of your life. And to wield that rulership well, with discipline and order. It's called egritea. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Tongue control. Your tongue is now set on fire by the fires of heaven. Prove it. Prove that God rules your life. Be egritumai in all things. Eye control. Where your eyes look. Did you know that you have a say in that? There's many men in here that do not feel that they have a say in that. Now, I don't know, I've never met a girl, like I've, I've said many times, I'm sure you guys know that, but I don't know how girls struggle with like their eyes, like if they cannot, like a guy, we are just, I mean, we're pathetic at a certain level, that's the way we feel too. It's like a girl walks by and it's like, we're even in our mind thinking, okay, I, I probably shouldn't look. And then the next thing you know, we look, it's like, what's that? Well, that's the same problem all of us have in in these categories, okay? Some of us, like for instance, we as guys would say we don't struggle with tongue control as much as those girls do, okay? So we could could measure, however, we all have a problem. You, You get me on that? In other words, my point isn't for us to cluck our tongues at the other side of the ledger. It's to recognize we all have need of a savior. But we all have a savior in Jesus Christ and that savior comes in and radically alters the behavior of this body, if we will let him, if we will let our, let our Savior come in and demote us to head butler position instead of our king position that we were so relishing, then we will find that this estate can now begin to function as it ought to function. Thought control, appetite control. And appetites could include a lot of things, by the way. There's a lot of different appetites that we have. All right, guys, let's pray. Father, Lord, we as the church of Jesus Christ desire to be egretumai in all things. Lord, this is something that for many of us experientially we have been disconnected from. Experientially, we understand what it means to be ruled by the old life, by the power of sin in the flesh. But Lord, we have not functionally walked through the principle of Egoratumai. That you desire to move in and to kick out and to keep out in and through us. That we are participants in this exercise, in this authority. Lord, show us, train us how to keep the ring. Train us, Lord, show us how to exercise the authority that we have how to listen to the alarm system in our soul, and how to not allow the enemy any access in. Lord, teach us how to bring our body under, to bring it into subjection. Show us how, Lord Jesus, these things work. Coordinate us, Lord, to do this. I pray that we would not veer off and attempt to do it in our own strength, that in and through law, and in and through not touching, not tasting, not handling, that we would attempt To prove righteous. But Lord, that in believing in Christ Jesus, we would see this realized. That our job is to believe, to trust, to fix our gaze upon the truth of your word, and to simply believe as little children. And then you begin to work out the rest. Here we are, Lord Jesus. We desire for you to be exalted in our bodies. It's in the precious name we pray. Amen.
0: Well, I hope that was just an encouragement and an exhortation for you to press in unto Jesus Christ all the more. And I I hope that as Eric was talking about this idea of self-control, that you begin to realize that it's not just what you can pull off and you gritting your teeth and taking cold showers, but it's you submitting yourself unto the authority and life of Jesus Christ and his spirit who dwells within you. What would it look like if this generation was marked by self-control? Oh, (laughs) we need that in our culture today, especially as Christians. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 122 for episode 122. And until next time, know I'm cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.